Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man that knows that fortune tellers make a killing nowadays. Here is the captain. Call me old Swami. It's good to be seen. It's good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are featuring Black Tuesday Grand Reserve 2020 by the incredible men and women over at the brewery. If you're looking for them online, that's spelled B-R-U-E-R-Y. This is a delicious triple barrel aged imperial stout with a whopping 22% ABV. So drink this at home in your garage. Garage grade, four out of five bottle caps. And a very special thank you to Thomas from Dallas, PA for sending this beauty to us here at the garage. A big shout out goes to Jennifer from Ravina, Ohio. Next up, Captain, we have Lena sending her love all the way from Sweden. And a big we like your jib to Henry in New Rochelle, New York. Next, we have Cheryl in West Columbia, Texas. And last but certainly not least, we have Audrey in Boone, North Carolina. Everybody we just mentioned went to truecrimegarage.com and they helped us fill up the fridge for this week's shows. And for that, we thank you. Yeah, B-W-E-R-U-N, Beer Run. If you need more TCG for your earballs, check out our bonus show called Off the Record. It's on Stitcher Premium. You can find a link at our website at truecrimegarage.com. And that is enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Directly to the killer who may be in this room. Only a coward would do such a thing. What will those closest to you think of when they find out that you brutally murdered two little girls? Only a coward would do such a thing. Don't give up. We will not stop. Only 24 hours, of course, since they were reported missing. 13-year-olds Liberty German, Abigail Williams, last seen around 1 o'clock Monday afternoon near the Monon High Bridge, that abandoned rail bridge just outside of Delphi. Now, News 18's Brad Oppenheim joins us now live from Carroll County, where that search continues at this hour. Brad? Jeff, like you said, Liberty German and Abigail Williams were last seen yesterday afternoon when they were dropped off near that bridge. Now, they had made arrangements to be picked up by family members later that afternoon, but they never showed up. Now, a staging area has been set up at the Delphi Fire Department, and since I've been here, I've seen hundreds of people come in and out of this staging area. We are told that volunteers will be sent out in groups where they will comb the area in efforts to find these two girls. 
I was able to actually catch up with Abigail Williams' mother, Anna Williams, and she says she is amazed by the outpouring of support from the community. I also spoke with the Carroll County Sheriff, Tope Lesenby, and he says they are working with officials on getting an Amber Alert issued. Just in the last couple hours, I have been at the staging area. I've seen and spoke from volunteers that don't even live in Carroll County, including one man from West Lafayette who came over and joined the search. He said he has a teenage daughter himself and wanted to do what he could to make sure those girls make it home safe. Directly to the killer who may be in this room. Only a coward would do such a thing. What will those closest to you think of when they find out that you brutally murdered two little girls? Only a coward would do such a thing. Don't give up. We will not stop. We're here in the garage, me and the colonel, talking with Skip Jansen about who he believes should be the number one person of interest. Skip, when did you start your investigation into the Delphi murders? That's a good question. I've probably been looking into it for the last year or so. I guess I got into it because I thought it was, you know, I was intrigued by the fact that there were audio and video of the killer. And I thought it was even more unique that one of the victims had was the one who had done the video of him. So that's how I kind of got started looking into it. And why do you think so many people on the internet have been fascinated with the Delphi murders? Another good question. I think probably those reasons, as well as I think the small town aspect plays a part in it. And I think that uh, the, the fact that, you know, anytime two children are murdered, you know, people have a fascination with that. And for people that don't know, Delphi has a population of just under 3,000 individuals. Yeah, very, very low populated area. And the unusual thing about it is for a town that has less than 3,000 people, I've, I've never seen a case that had this many potential persons of interest. Yeah, on the internet, there's hundreds of side-by-sides, but law enforcement has stated over and over in different press conferences that they believe the killer is local to Delphi. Correct. I, yeah, I mean, I agree with that, if that's what you're asking. I, I think the, the area that the crime was committed in is, is such a remote area that the odds of this being someone who was from out of town or a random type murder, I think the odds are probably a little too long for that. Yeah, I want to echo that. But I do want to point out that they have what, what their exact words are, is that we believe that you, the person is local, someone either from Delphi living in Delphi or someone that works there. So not necessarily doesn't have to be an actual member of the Delphi proper population, according to those words and statements that have been released by law enforcement. But I do agree 100% with you, Skip and Captain. Given the nature of the crime scene and the Monon High Bridge and the trail system there, there are people that live in Delphi and live in Carroll County that I've spoken to or heard in interviews state that they didn't even know those trails existed or the bridge existed. So for some random person to just find that and use that as a, the killer used this as a hunting ground, whether he intended to kill someone there or not, he was hunting for prey for a victim or victims that day at that location. And given what I've seen and reviewed as far as maps go, I would like to go there and walk the uh, terrain myself. But given the remoteness of that area and the lay of the land, somebody had to have familiarity with that location. I agree with that. I think people get misled a little bit. Sometimes they see they'll look at Google Maps and and see that one of the roads that the bridge is off of Highway 300, which is it's just a little small you know, country two lane road. And I think people think that that's maybe a larger, more traveled area and it's just not. So we have discussed many possible people of interest on the show and with arrests like Chad well, and so many other arrests throughout the country and people having side by sides. One thing that's tough with all those individuals, are they capable of committing the crimes? Yes. 
but can you put them in Delphi the day of the murders? But with your person of interest, you can actually put them at the park the day of the murders. Yeah, that's right. He was there. He admitted he was there. He was there. He said he was with a female. He actually was was the uh, one of the witnesses for the original sketch that was released. Some people refer to as Old Bridge Guy. Uh, uh, to answer that question, yes, he's he's the first one that I know of it that was admittedly there. So your person of interest admits that he was there and also admits that he has talked to law enforcement and he came forward and he is the reason for the first sketch that has been released. Do you know if your person of interest was a part of any of the searches that day? I don't I don't know that he was part of uh, any search. I just know that he was there around the time of the murders and he was in pretty cl- close proximity to uh, to the area that uh, where the girls were found. So the girls went missing on February 13th, but their bodies weren't found till February 14th. Yeah, that's correct. Around noon on the 14th. So just to add a little clarity here uh, in regards to the time frame that we're talking about, we're talking about February 13th, 2017. Now, Libby and Abby were dropped off approximately 145 in the afternoon. This is according to Kelsey, who dropped them off at the trailhead. And the Snapchat picture of Abby was posted at 2.07 p.m. on that day. And it's believed, based off of the evidence that we have, that being the still picture, which comes from the video, which was then released at a later date. The still picture of Bridge Guy, yeah. Correct. It, it Due to the positioning of the sun, uh, it, what we can see in that video, we can tell that the abduction took place between 2.20 p.m. and 2.40 p.m. that afternoon. So relatively quickly, things are moving very fast. The girls are dropped off, and less than an hour later, they are abducted. Um, less than a half an hour later, that picture is posted on Snapchat of Abby. It's kind of mind-boggling how we have this perpetrator lurking waiting in the shadows, if you will, looking for potential prey. And it just so happens to line up with about the time that they're dropped off. And from my understanding, Skip, and you can correct me if I'm I'm wrong, that it's approximately about a half mile from the trailhead to the bridge itself, which two girls taking their time, maybe they went a roundabout way. There's two different options to get you to that Monon High Bridge. That time lines up. All those times really line up with about how long it would take someone on foot to get to that bridge. And when you say that this guy, your guy, has admittedly, his own words, put him, place him at the crime scene at about the same time that the abduction and murders took place. And I do want to be clear, they're, even though they're murdered at that location and left there, they were abducted. I mean, they were they were moved and, and corralled and directed by the killer where to go for well, one we reason know that because we have audio evidence of that correct and we don't know for exactly what reasons but you're saying this guy has placed himself there during this time frame and the other thing that's key to hone in on at this point too when we're discussing times on that day is according to law enforcement they believe whatever took place because again they're not telling us exactly what happened Whatever took place was done and over with probably relatively quickly, but at least by 5 p.m. that day. Yeah, correct. Because that's what that's the time frame that they say that uh, the car was at the CPS building at the 2019 press conference. They, They led that off with that, that they were looking for the driver, which I thought was interesting of the vehicle that was parked there from 12 to 5. I thought it was unusual they asked for the driver about the driver. It seems like maybe they know about what the who the vehicle is. And that's something that that we can get into a little bit. But let me say a couple of things that I think are important. One thing one thing I've learned is that law enforcement and a perpetrator have 180 degree opposite agendas. And I'm not talking about just the simple fact that law enforcement wants to catch this guy and this guy that you know the perpetrator doesn't want to be caught. How that relates to this case is and it's, it goes back to what you were talking about, about the time is law enforcement wants to place somebody there between under that bridge near that crime scene between t- about two thirty and three thirty that afternoon. OK. The perpetrator wants to be anywhere else but under that bridge between two thirty and three thirty. OK. 
And mm-hmm. that's something I think that, that the listeners should keep in mind as we, as we go along here, because there's been a ton of misinformation, deflections, false information put out. As we, again, as we talk about that, you'll see some of that. Maybe people change in their timeframes of when they were there, who they were with, where they parked and things like that. Well, it's hard to know because we're not from that area. We don't know how popular this park is. It's a day where there's no school. How many people do you think are at the park during the time of the murders? It's, it's hard to say. I've, I've, I've identified maybe six or seven. I know there's been I know there's been people who've said uh, there were up to 50 people. I don't buy that at all. I think there were just a few. I've identified six or seven. So people put the time frame of the murders in between 2.30 and let's say 3.30. But we know that because the girls weren't responding and somebody was trying to pick them up. And this uh, miscommunication was would have started about 3 o'clock. Yeah, I think I think Libby's dad, Derek, had arrived and started walking the trails around three o'clock just after. And that was that was about the time they they started realizing, you know, something was wrong. Derek called Libby's phone at three eleven that afternoon, and this is as he was getting close. He's driving in a vehicle to go pick up the girls. There was no set time when they were dropped off, what time they would be picked up. It was a roundabout time. Right. And the the statement was, or always has been, that Derek would call Libby when he got close so they could meet him at the trailhead. And we know that that call took place at 311. He's unable to get a hold of her. She doesn't answer the phone. He then arrives shortly after that 311 phone call and starts to walk the trails looking for uh, the girls. I think the imp- one of the important things is 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 that where he parked is an area called the Mears Lot, which is it's the same place that the girls were dropped off. It's just a small area, private area, but uh, the locals knew it as a place to they had easy access to the trails. There's a tra- the trailhead, like you said, is right there. So it's just a short walk to the bridge. And it's called the Mears Lot because the Mears family farm is right almost, across the street. It's right across the street. Yeah, and exactly. They may have owned portions of that additional land at one one time. Right. And it's an area, area that you can just get a few cars in at one time, three or four, five maybe max. So it's just a small area, but the locals knew about it. Well, and the importance of this being a small location, and like you said, it could only fit maybe five cars, is that your person of interest claims that around three o'clock, his car would have been parked in that lot. That's what time he said he arrived. Yeah. And he said he started walking slowly down the trail with a female. But we haven't had any other eyewitness come forward and say that they saw your person of interest walking with this female. We haven't had anybody come forward and say that they saw them. That's correct. Well, that, yeah, that's correct. Not, not anybody that we uh, that has said anything publicly. I do believe that, that he was seen later on, but, but no, no, nobody has publicly said they saw him. Nobody's corroborated that. And what's also odd about this one claim that your person of interest made is the time frame, he would have run into possibly Derek or possibly flannel shirt guy at the trailhead around this time period. Yeah, he like I said, when Derek got there, he started on walking on the on the trails. He ran into an older man, older gentleman who's referred to as flannel shirt guy, and asked him if if he had seen the girl two girls, and he said no, but there's a couple arguing under the bridge. So Derek took the other path, I guess, assuming that that was not who he was looking for. So, so maybe the girls were on the other path. One thing I've always wondered about here, Skip, is there's actually two bridges, right? There's one that goes over the Indiana Hoosier Highway. Yep. What's that? The Freedom Bridge? Freedom Bridge, yes. Part of me wonders when he gets told by FSG, Flannel Shirt, flannel shirt Guy, can, do you have his name in front of you? I think we, he's been identified. I think we can just say his name. Yeah, his he's, last he, name is McCain. And McCain, he was in charge of the he trails. Was in the, the trail system there. Correct. So he's involved with the Parks and Rec or something of that nature. But so he speaks with McCain, and McCain says, "I I saw a couple arguing under the bridge." I think. Well, I think you actually said, "I heard." A couple okay. arguing under the bridge. And I'm with you. It could mean one of two things. Either he goes, okay, well, that's not the people I'm looking for, so I'll go this opposite way. Mm-hmm. Maybe he just assumed the Freedom Bridge rather than the Monon High Bridge. It's possible, but McCain was coming from that 
from that direction. So I think okay. the assumption is that he would, had just been at the at the uh, Monon High Bridge. Like I said, you know, he he asked, you know, about two young girls. You know, somebody describing a couple they heard would not be the same description. So, so he he you know he said he said no, he hasn't seen them. So it it you know that part of it I think is fairly simple. Well, in this case, there's so much information, and I think there's some misinformation that's being put out by certain people. And when you hear about this eyewitness uh, McCain that talked with Derek at the trailhead, and he says that I heard an arguing couple roughly around 2.50 to 3 o'clock. To me, one of the things that people are missing is that would be roughly at the time that Abby and Libby are making contact with Bridge Guy and we don't have the full audio tapes, so we don't know. And, if, and we don't know if those audio tapes have the evidence on there. Was there an argument? Was there, did one of the girls start arguing with Bridge Guy? And if that is true, then around 3 o'clock, McCain did not hear an arguing couple. He heard Bridge Guy arguing with Abby and Libby. Yeah, I think I think that's likely. I think you know one of the biggest questions that's, uh, that people have had in this case is, you know, why didn't anybody hear anything? You know, why didn't the girls scream? Why didn't anybody hear anything? Well, maybe they did. You know, maybe McCain uh, heard something, and and but but nobody's put that together like you just said. So, so your person of interest, we know that he was there. He claims he was an eyewitness. He claims. He's the reason for the first sketch that was released. He also claims that he enters the same parking lot that Derek parked in roughly about three o'clock. But then other times he has told sources and talked on the Internet about being a part of the arguing couple, which would put him at the crime scene at three o'clock. Correct. He also didn't come forward to law enforcement saying that he saw anybody. Like I mentioned, he was a witness to one of the witnesses to the first sketch until well after the uh, video had been put out at least a week. I think that kind of asked the question, you know, why did, if you saw somebody, he says he saw somebody dressed like BG was with a scarf over his face. If he saw, if he saw somebody like that, why didn't you come, you know, and you know, two uh, little girls were murdered that day. Why didn't you come forward immediately? You know, and, and he later recanted that, uh, statement. Yeah, I have a couple problems with this person of interest. One, you're at the park roughly around the time that this family is looking for two missing girls. There's no witness that says he stayed to help. So what kind of person are you? What kind of canoe are you? I think our listeners know what I'm getting at. But on top of that, you're there's this you're claiming that the day these girls were murdered and you would have known that the next day that you were at the park the same day these girls were murdered and you saw a suspicious person you're not coming forward to law enforcement for seven eight days well he he originally said he was with his girlfriend okay he later changed that to a girl that then he never mentioned her name just uh told uh apparently one of the uh stories that was out there was that he was part of a, a cheating couple so that was the reason for maybe uh, why it was so ambiguous about who you know who he was with was because he was saying that he you know he was trying to keep it on the download that he was with another girl. Well, and that's really interesting because this person of interest he's coming forward and saying, "Look, I'm the I'm the eyewitness. I saw Bridge Guy. I am the reason for the first sketch that is released." We now know that law enforcement is saying, "Hey, don't that's that sketch is secondary." Essentially saying, well, we don't buy this eyewitness's account. At one point saying, well, I was at the parking lot roughly the same time Derek was there, uh, but he didn't see me. And at some point I was, yeah, I was with there with my girlfriend. Uh, Now we know that's not to be true. So then he has to then go on and then tell people, okay, look, I wasn't there with my girlfriend. I was cheating on my girlfriend. And so therefore, you know, but I, I was covering for that, which a lot of times eyewitnesses come forward and they lie to law enforcement and lie to the public because they were doing something bad. That necessarily doesn't make him a murderer. But my issue is we don't know 
who he claims he was with under that bridge. Key phrase there, under the bridge, which by definition, guys down the hill, under the bridge, anything under the bridge becomes a part of the crime scene. They found articles of clothing around that area under the bridge in the water. So we have this individual lying and and constantly changing his story. But what does he do? He puts himself at that crime scene. And I don't believe anybody saw arguing couple. They just heard arguing couple. Arguing couple then equals bridge guy arguing with Abby and Libby equals that's the murderer. And he is putting himself in that position, that location, arguing with somebody, which we believe would be Abby and Libby. And that puts him at the crime scene. That makes him bridge guy. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids covering math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed to help them really understand and master topics in a fun way. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or or personality. There's one site for all kids in your home pre-K to 12th grade. Kids could use it at home on their computer or on an app on your phone or a tablet. No more grading those worksheets. IXL grades everything for you. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. I love recommending IXL learning. Kids can learn at home or on the go. And all my friends and family that are using it absolutely love it because it's so easy to set up and so easy to use. And even the kids that I've recommended it to their parents have told me, hey, Captain, thank you. I was having problems in math and my parents couldn't help me, but IXL could. Do you want to get your kids back on track or do you just want to get your kids ahead? Do so with IXL Learning. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And True Crime Garage listeners get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com slash garage. Visit IXL.com slash garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com slash garage today. The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out that you've been paying a fortune for wireless. When Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. Save a lot of money with Mint Mobile. Get their great mobile wireless service delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. That's premium service at a great price. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash TCG. That's mintmobile.com slash TCG. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash TCG. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. 
Fuel up for them with Factor's no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Make your day delicious, from breakfast to dessert. Stay fueled with easy, nutritious options. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. I am new to Factor, and I have been loving every minute of it. I have a problem, and it's called lunch. Some days I need to pack a lunch, and some days I work from home. Whether I'm at home or whether I'm on the go, Factor is fueling my lunch from now on. Head to factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 and use code truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month. That's code truecrimegarage50 at factormeals.com slash truecrimegarage50 to get 50% off your first box, plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So we're back talking with Skip Janice about his person of interest and how this person of interest has claimed he was eyewitness. He saw BG. He's the reason for the first sketch that was released and that he was there with his girlfriend, then changed his story to that he was there with somebody he was cheating on his girlfriend with. Shows you the type of character this individual is. And on top of that, he just constantly keeps changing his story. He said he saw Bridge Guy leaving, going toward Freedom Bridge around the same time that Flannel Shirt Guy and Derek would have been uh, talking. So they would have had the, they would have been close to each other in proximity to each other at the time. He said he saw him leaving there. He described him as, like I said, with the the clothes that BG was wearing seen in the video and also with a scarf over his face. Again, I can't get over the fact that if you're just a normal guy and maybe you don't want to come forward right away because you're going to be caught cheating, but you can tell law enforcement that and they don't have to release that information to the public, but you can tell your friends, family, and girlfriend, hey, by the way, I was there that day. Well, why were you there? Oh, well, I was taking a lunch break or whatever reason you have to come up with to tell your f- friends and family. But you believe that you saw this individual and you're waiting seven days to come and talk to law enforcement. It just f- seems very suspicious. It seems very shady. It doesn't, you know, pass the sniff test, if you will. Well, he said he he came forward after the video had been released and said, that's the guy I saw that day. Yeah. So when exactly is this photo or video released uh, after the crime? They released the video, I think, two or three days after the murders or the photo of photo taken from the video. Yeah. Yeah. The still photo was released a few days afterwards. It wasn't until that 2019 press conference that we get the video. Right. And let's be clear about one thing. The younger sketch, the second sketch that was released in 2019, was actually created three or four days after the murders. That was actually the first, the, the others, the, the old uh, Bridge Guy sketch was done, was not released until July of 2017. So it was five months before the first sketch was released, yet they had the sketch of the younger guy three or four days after the murders. So the second sketch that was released, they had pretty quickly, but for some reason, this eyewitness comes forward seven or eight days after the murders, gives his account, and they go with his sketch. At least, yeah. A week later, saying that that was the guy. He came came after the uh, uh, picture was, or the photo was, was shown. 
on television. Right. He said, that's the guy I saw. Again, I'm just curious why you wouldn't come if you saw a suspicious guy there close to where two girls were killed, why you wouldn't come forward immediately. Let's pretend that DP is bridge guy for a minute. Okay. He's coming forward now because he has an out that that sketch is his out, right? He doesn't want to come forward before like you were getting to that. Oh, I don't want to come forward because they can identify me if I was there. Right. And so he, he sees the sketch. It's not, doesn't appear to be him to him. So DP comes forward and says, yep, I, I would like to second that. I saw that person. I was there that day and saw that person there as well. I Yeah, he actually he saw the video. He saw the video or the pic, the photo, not the sketch. I think he became aware of the sketch. I've spoken with a person, friend of mine locally, whose family has a brother who's in law enforcement that I think is, a, is an incredible source. And he told me that a lot of local people knew about this. There was a second sketch. I didn't know what it looked like, obviously, early on, but they knew very early on that there was a second sketch. Oh. I think I think the time how the timing works is he came after the second sketch had been created, uh, hadn't been released yet, but the second sketch had been created, and that's when he, he came forward. The second sketch that was actually released is actually the first sketch that they created. Correct. But how is law enforcement getting that information for the second sketch that was released from a witness? A witness that uh, saw something that need, needed to be reported that day. And Skip, correct me if I'm wrong. It's been my understanding that the second sketch released is based off of eyewitness statements, description. Right. And the first sketch that was released was based off of the still photo, then later video evidence. Uh, and it was all, well, a lot of people believe that the law enforcement's, uh, take on it is that it was it was created by multiple witnesses okay so both of the sketches or law enforcement says both of the sketches were were created uh, based on uh witness testimony I, I i agree with you though i think that the first sketch was had the the photo and video had some influence on it and your person of interest which we are calling dp i, I don't know if you guys picked up on the fact that nick called the person of interest dp we're calling him DP for legal reasons, obviously, and for safety reasons for himself. But he came forward and was telling people online he was responsible for the first sketch that was released. That's correct. Yeah, again, I think that's a little bit unusual that you know law enforcement usually insists that uh, the witnesses don't say anything in cases like this. He certainly uh, injected himself into the case by speaking on social media, kind of getting his story out there. But both of his stories put him with another person at the trails that day. Mm -hmm. Right. So where's this other person, right? I mean, if I'm law enforcement, that's my first thing. I'm going, okay, DP was there. And in story A, he's with so-and-so. And in story B, he's with someone else. Who are these people and do they exist? Well, again, I think I think the reason for the change of the story was is that he was with another girl and didn't want that information getting out. I think that was the excuse to get to the second story, which was the the, the cheating girl. Yeah, I, I think that that probably raised the red flag of some some sorts, you know. But he was he was considered a witness. They thought that um, you know law enforcement seeks witnesses; they know they need witnesses. And this guy came forward <clears throat> voluntarily, so they assumed he was. Uh, said he and described something that looked like what they were seeing on video. So they had no reason not to believe him. Okay. So this DP guy's there and he's with this girl that he's cheating on his girlfriend with. I mean, that's pretty scumbag anyways, but we don't have this other girl that he was cheating on his girlfriend with coming forward and saying, Hey, I was there with DP. And the other thing about it too, is he's saying he was arguing with this girl that he was with under the bridge, again, putting himself and putting whoever this girl he was with, if there was even a girl there with him, under the bridge. Again, under the bridge. You have to understand that under the bridge or on the other side of the bridge is all a part of the crime scene. So he would be saying, not only was I cheating with this girl, but she was over at the crime scene with me about the same time that the killer would have been making contact with Abby and Libby, but yet, yet they didn't see 
anything. Again, he wasn't seen by anybody except one person, a girl named Cheyenne Ingalls, and she's the only one there that has corroborated seeing him. Do we know where Cheyenne says she saw? She never said exactly where she saw him. She said that she, her story, and I'll be kind of frank here. I don't, I haven't found anything that she said to be truthful. She originally said she got there at 350, changed her story to she got there at 250. She showed a picture of, uh, from the day says that she said she went there to take pictures. She shows a picture and is taken around three o'clock of the bridge. She never said, you know, she saw what time she saw him, just that she saw a heterosexual couple and also uh, ran into a friend of hers who she said she didn't know was going to be there. Well, the biggest point about DP being a person of interest is he was at the park that day claims to be in the vicinity of the bridge and has changed his story multiple times. Now you have Cheyenne that is eyewitness to DP being there, but she's constantly changing her story as well. It's very, very suspicious. I think, I think there are four, I think there are four people involved in, in, involved in that equation. I think DP, Cheyenne, Cheryl, and a, a girl named Shelby. And I think they, that one of them has has something to do with a car that was parked at the CPS building that law enforcement inquired about. So who is this Shelby? She's a friend of uh, all. They're all friends. Um, she I know she went to law enforcement to talk to tell them kind of straighten out the vehicle situation. I think there was a lot of confusion about where everybody parked, what time everybody got there, whose cars were there. I think she went and ta- told them that, you know, her, yes, her car was there. Uh, and here's how it got there. I don't think, no, I think, again, nobody saw her. Nobody saw DP. I don't have any reason to believe she was there because, you know, there's no, there's nobody corroborating the story that she was there. I'm not sure she, she ever said she was there. Yeah. She, she and Cheyenne are friends because they were married to what, well, one was married to uh, two brothers. One was married and one was, uh, had a child with the other brother. So they they were friends that way, but does Cheyenne ever say when she saw Cheryl? She says she says that Cheryl got there. She Cheyenne says she got there about two fifty. She said that Cheryl got there about two thirty. Uh, she didn't say exactly what point she ran into him or ran into her. I'm sorry. So, other than so, we're going to exclude Shelby because we don't believe that she was there. But other than Cheyenne and Cheryl, do we have anybody? We don't know that Cheryl was there either. Right. But do we have anybody at the park seeing DP that day? No. Nobody saw DP except Cheyenne. Okay. But nobody saw Cheyenne. Nobody saw Cheryl. Nobody saw Shelby. They all, they all were there at the park in the, in the same uh, time frame that, that several other people were there, including FSG, but nobody saw any of them. I think again. I think the time, the the timeline, and the vehicles are the critical part of the case. I think it's likely law enforcement knows or has a particular POI person of interest, and I think that that was probably gathered from those two things. The timelines never made sense amongst any of the witnesses or any of the people that were there, and neither has the vehicle situation. So you're telling me that Cheyenne says I saw DP. At the park, but we don't know what time she's claiming she saw him. Is she saying that he was with somebody or alone? She was saying he was with somebody. That was part of the, they were part of the heterosexual couple is, is how she described it. But the person that she's saying he was with is this person X. Yes. That's what makes this person so interesting to me is because none of the stories line up. None of the stories make any sense. So if you're having a hard time following the story, well, don't blame you because their stories just don't line up. But Cheyenne also said that she saw DP's car in which parking lot? Uh, It was parked, I believe, at the Mears lot. But there's another eyewitness that disputes this claim. Yeah, there was an eyewitness that drove by around 3 o'clock and said that she only saw two cars. If all the people who were there say they were there, or all the people that say they were there actually were there, then there would be a lot more than two cars. Because we know FSG was there and possibly parked there. Um, we know Derek and, was parked there. Yeah, and Derek got there and parked there around just after 3 o'clock. So. And it's not clear even where Cheyenne parked. 
Right. Yeah. It's in, uh, she's again, because there's, there's reason to question that if she was even there that day. Absolutely. There's she, as a matter of fact, she says she leaves at four o'clock and as she's leaving, she notices a man who she later finds or realizes is Derek, uh, sitting in the parking lot with another person in the, in the car doing what looks like a drug deal. Well, Derek wasn't with anybody that day. Okay. Tara later came and yeah, it came, but, but she didn't arrive till four ten. So how did, how did Cheyenne see, see anybody in the car? As a matter of fact, when, when Tara got there, she says that Derek jumped in the car with her. So how did Cheyenne see Derek doing what looked like a drug deal at four o'clock? It's possible that her, her time frame is just off. Right. You know, but they did she got 10, he got in he got in the other car. Did she identify Derek as being Derek or just some guy? She said originally. She changed it later on to realize when she realized it was Derek, or is that's the way she put it. She changed it. She said it was Derek. I mean, come on, people. How many times are you gonna keep changing your story? Again, that, again, that just goes to part of the the stories and how they've changed. I understand people's recollection, but a lot of this seems a lot more than that than just, you know, misinterpreting times and things like that. She, the reason, you know, she, she knew she got there because at two fifty cause she remembers a robo call she got and she remembers leaving at four o'clock because she didn't have good enough uh, cell service to upload the picture to Snapchat that she took. And she did that about 10 minutes before four. So she, she knew her times were right. Or at least she said she knew her times were right. Well, and this is a small town, and I think some of this information was getting leaked, or at least some rumors were happening. It sounds to me like Cheyenne is having one story, and then once she finds out, well, no, Derek was in that area at that time, then she comes back and goes, oh, it just wasn't some man that I saw. It was Derek. Again, we have an eyewitness that is changing his story, that puts himself at the scene of the crime, roughly around the time of the murders, doesn't come forward right away, knows the girls. Uh, I believe at some point people said he was following one of them on Facebook, possibly could have been following them on Snapchat, said that he rode the bus with them, that they lived you know, a couple miles away, so he knew the victims. But again, their stories keep changing, and how suspicious is that? Then Cheyenne says that she sees DP's car at the other parking lot, but it seems like he would have been parked at the CPS building and waiting for the girls. I think it's possible, yeah. Kind of think I think if you if you if you go by what law enforcement says that the car parked at the CPS building could have possibly been there from as early as twelve o'clock. I think uh, it seems likely. I don't think the twelve. I don't think that the twelve to five. I think that's just giving them some leeway. But I think they know that uh, he was probably there longer than than what what he said. So DP is changing his story constantly. Cheyenne is changing her story. She is the only one that claims to see his car there. We have other credible eyewitnesses that don't see his car. So that's very suspicious. Why would you be driving somebody else's car to the park that day? Maybe because you don't want your car to be seen because maybe you're going to do something bad. Possibly. Again, that, go, that goes back to you know law enforcement saying in the 2019 press conference that they were looking for the driver of a vehicle. Mm-hmm. That, tells, that tells me it's likely that it was uh, whoever they were, whoever they're trying to find information of was driving a, a vehicle that wasn't his, a borrowed vehicle. But we also believe that there was an eyewitness that would have saw the driver of that vehicle. Yeah, I think I think that uh, yeah, that obviously there was there was a witness that saw there was a witness that saw somebody that 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 ends up being the second sketch. Um, I think there's a possibility that that's, that that witness is the same person who saw the car uh, as as BG was exiting the park. Now, even though sketch one and sketch two they're, they're worlds apart, but there are some similarities. But your person of interest, DP, matches both of these, which is very concerning. And the second sketch that was released of the younger individual, he matches he matches that sketch more than any other person of interest I've seen match a sketch. Now, 
hopefully that gets out to the internet and people can make their own predictions and own assumptions on that. Well, let me ask you this. If, like we mentioned earlier, that a lot of locals knew that there was a second sketch early on. If you'd killed some two people and you had gotten you had gotten wind that there was another there was a sketch out there. And I mean, you obviously, you are, yeah. Or, or no, this at this point, I'm talking about the sketch being done three or four days later because he didn't come forward till after that. You got no, wind no. What this, I'm saying is, if you killed somebody and you found out law enforcement didn't just have this photo that they released, but they also have a sketch. Yeah, what you're exactly. Saying. Yeah, yeah. You would think you had been seen, right? I mean, you you, you know so. That's certainly an incentive to come forward to explain your words, explain your whereabouts and why you were there that day. You waited a week to come forward or at least a week. Why, you know, why, why did you do that? First of all. And secondly, uh, uh, is that the, is that the, is that the reason, you know, law enforcement has, has thought that this person is following the case and, and getting information. You want to know what we know. And so, uh, I think it's likely that somebody was sharing information with him or he had access to that. And, uh, and that's why he came forward. Well, and you also, after you're doing a lot of your research and you're looking into DP, you notice that a lot of the comments that the police officers are making or law enforcement is making about their suspect or when they're talking to the killer, that it really applies to the research and the misinformation that they got from these eyewitnesses early on. They talk about, we believe that we were lied to early on or that we didn't identify this person correctly. And so to have the confidence that he had to go into law enforcement and say, hey, look, I was there. I was an eyewitness. I saw BG. And I think the small town component comes in here because they believed him because they said, well, look, look at him, look at his family, and look at what they've done in the community. This is a kid that we can trust. And I think they bought whatever story he was selling initially. We want to hear from you. Check out the blog at truecrimegarage.com. So much more to get to in the next episode. Please join us. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes.